0: This is episode number 632 of the Inner Fight podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thanks a lot, no matter where you are in the world, for downloading the show. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you listening. And I massively appreciate our show sponsors, Smith Street Paleo. Go check them out, smithstreetpaleo.com or send them an email, hello at smithstreetpaleo.com. Or get on the website, like I said, cook some of the food for yourself. It tastes real good. Those of the that follow on Instagram, you'll see that I cook the bread every single week. It is awesome. It tastes good. You guys need it in your life. Today's guest is a gentleman that actually spoke on the Inner Fight Endurance Sunday sessions just last week. He goes by the name of Adam Mayhew. And when I heard him on Inner Fight Endurance Sunday sessions, I was like, we've got to get that guy on the podcast. He can teach people so much. So many people will resonate. Not that everyone's been through the highs and the lows that Ads has been through, but there's just so much learning here. And a lot of people are definitely fighting a lot of the battles he was fighting. So I got hold of him, we zoomed it up, and here you have Adam Mayhew. No matter where you are in the world, ladies and gentlemen, stay safe, enjoy the Inner Fight podcast. And if you enjoy it, rate it, review it in iTunes, and please share it with a friend. That's how we grow organic reach for now let's hear from ads welcome back to another episode of the podcast and today as i was saying there very inspirational story he'll play it down but from very close to where i'm also from in the uk adam mayhew welcome to the show mate thank you
1: thank you very much thank you for inviting me on it's a pleasure hey, to be
0: i didn't realize Nasbra. just Nasbra. what a lad. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely, yeah. From that little little town, little Yorkshire town.
0: <laughs> like you're, um, I mean, your accent is still quite strong, isn't it? You, you've definitely not lost that.
1: <laughs> no, I yeah. I, I realised when I watched that video back, I was like, I've got a really strong Yorkshire accent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got so rid I of of it. <laughs> don't know what we're talking about. I'm from the north of England, a little place called York, and Adam is from this, which is probably about... About half an hour. I used to play actually rugby in Harrogate, which is close by as well. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Harrogate's
0: just up the road. Yeah. Mate, give us a little bit of a background then on yourself. Let's kick off there. I mean, the the basis of this is you did a super powerful talk on on the inner fight endurance sort of inner circle talk a few weeks ago. And I was like, we've got to tell this story on the podcast. So let's kick off from there, mate. Give us a little bit of background on maybe growing up, what life was like, just so folks can get to know you a little bit.
1: Yeah, so you know, I obviously, as we've already mentioned, Nesbry. So I grew up in um, a little town called Nesbry, which is the northern part of part of England. Um, yeah, I had a very normal sort of childhood. Um, parents were, you know, very strict and a uh, good, up- come, you know, upbringing. And you know, I went to church every weekend and had another. I got an older brother and older sister that I looked up to. So a very normal sort of childhood. Yeah, Breeze kind of breeze through school, um, had a lot of fun and things and yeah uh, when I left school um, I didn't go to university, I left at the age of, the uh, uh, left sixth form at the age of 18 and um, I left my family home as well and I, I bought a, a flat, well, sorry I didn't buy a flat so I rented a flat um, and yeah so I obviously went off into the world in my own little way um, and yeah I kind of got a little bit addicted to bodybuilding <laughs> <laughs> I think it was it was when I look back now I think it was something to do with school um, I wasn't really bullied or anything at school but uh, you know my nickname was sort of skinny skinny guy and right. I, as my sort of friends went off to university and I was one of the guys that didn't go to university I think I sort of had, had to prove myself you know so when they were off further down the country studying, I was like, right, well, when they, when they come back, they're going to see how much I've changed. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I just started, yeah, lifting, lifting weights and started reading all the the bodybuilding books. Um, and I got quite addicted to it really. Uh, I started taking all the protein and the creatine and yeah, uh, six meals a day. Um, and I very quickly started to put, put weight on, put mass on, um, but yeah i also got into you know some of the other sort of stronger supplements like prohormones um obviously they're they're pretty much anabolic steroids i think some of the ones i was taking back then um yeah you can't get them anymore i think they banned them but uh,
0: <laughs> you used to be able to yeah. get them at the local shop though <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i think you could you could you could just buy them on the internet yeah, yeah. They used to get banned and i think I think around the time people were telling me that, that the companies would bring them out again, but they just move a little molecule to the right or something and it comes out as something else. And yeah. government get their hands on it. That's like two or three years away. So Wait, I don't
0: know. can I jump in there? Because yeah. we, we, we see a lot of and, and and I know obviously without spoiling it, some of your story is about addiction and stuff, and, and I'm always interested to see or to try and understand how these things start. So you know you've started doing bodybuilding what would lead you to take steroids in simple terms what where, how did that come around i think
1: when i look back you know sort 18 19 i remember you know like looking in the mirror and not being happy with the way i looked right not being happy with my body and um i remember at the time i used to have uh, you know, you can see my, my, my uh, collar, collarbone sticking up. Right. You know, when you got into the gym and you meet the, the guys that are older than you and they've been sort of training for whatever, 10 years. And the, the you know, these are big guys. Um, and you start to learn more. It, and to answer your question, it's, it's a addic- You just get addicted to it and you see the size. And then I think you see people commenting on you. So when you're starting yeah. to put on size, just taking like, you know, protein and creatine and things when you go out people start complimenting and say oh god you, you put on weight you know you, you well, look how ripped you're looking and you're like oh yeah this i like this this is right. this is good you know uh girls saying things you know there i am 20 years old whatever 1920 and people are complimenting and okay this is i'm gonna keep going keep going um well,
0: you're sort of feeding off off like other people are feeding your emotions in a way, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned this last week in the, um, in the presentation I did, you know, the, the five people you hang around with they're they're crucial to your success. And you're the, you're the average of those five people.
0: Yeah. So,
1: yeah I think for me, it was, I've always like looked up to people. I've always like looked to people and thought, Oh, I want to be like that. So like you said, yeah, you know, it was, the people influencing and fueling it, basically.
0: So you start taking steroids and obviously probably get bigger, mate. Let's continue on the journey. <laughs> this could be interesting. Did uh, did, you, did your old fella shrink at all? I, I've always wanted to ask that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got um, we've got a, a couple of pictures of me and my old man, and um, yeah, I'm I'm you know I'm like this, and he's sort of copying me and. <laughs> <laughs> Uh but I remember even he he said for years he said it you need to slow down some. Yeah, you, know, you know, what's all this bodybuilding? What you know, just just slow down, you know, you don't need to do it. And I was it just went over the top of my head. I I think it was the ego thing as well, you know, it was just like, you know, I'm I'm now nicknamed the big guy. And I've got to maintain that that saying, you know, oh here's that, the big guy. Ah. So I think it went to my head. And yeah, so start taking more things and where did where
0: did that take you
1: um well obviously yeah I, um around that time sort of uh, the people I hang around with my friends and I we were obviously we're young you know 19 20 21 22 around that time when you start experimenting with things um and just to rewind back a little bit in my teenage years, you know, I had sort of experimented with um, cannabis and things like that.
0: Right.
1: And also <laughs> the area that we lived in that, I, that I'm from, you know, Harrogate it is known for its drug use. You know, I think, I can't remember what the stats are, but they say like everyone in five or something has tried some drug. I can't remember the full stats on that, so don't go yeah, on that, but yeah. it is one of the drug capitals of the north, apparently you know, areas, it's like, it's, yeah, you know, it's, and Harrogate, you know, when you go out in Harrogate, it does have that sort of, I call them, I now call them weekend millionaires, you know, there's people out flashing the cash, but I think they're just weekend millionaires. So I sort of fell into that trap Um and yeah, i started to take other things, recreational drugs, Um and, yeah, you, you start to get it. I wouldn't say I was addicted to it, but, you know, maybe once or twice a month I was yeah. consuming, yeah, class A drugs to... How did be- that feel, mate? Um, well, it feels good. Obviously, when, well, at the time, you know, I thought it felt good. Um, you know, the, the sort of drug of choice at the time was um, cocaine, um, ketamine. Jeez, when I think back now, wow, <laughs> yeah, they're strong. The tranquilizer, um, yeah, that was sort of the choice there, and and MDMA, which is you know ecstasy and things. Um, how did it? What, your, what was your question? How did it feel?
0: Yeah, like I mean, I've, I've never taken drugs, so I don't know. Yeah. So I'm sort of, I'm, I'm I'm interested in the whole experience in a way of maybe you know what gets you there, and then, I mean, because it's a whole experience, isn't it? Like, it's, maybe it's not, mate, but I'm sort of thinking, <laughs> it's, it's always like when you're gonna buy something in a way, and it's probably totally different, but it's like, we get a little bit excited because we're gonna buy a new shirt, or a new car, or something like that, and yeah. we, and, and and this is, I mean, cocaine plays with the dopamine in our brains, that's that's exactly. how blood like works and when we yeah. buy something we release dopamine it's the happy hormone and we feel really good and then we wake up the next day and sometimes we're like oh shit i i actually shouldn't have spent that much money on that thing or or we're totally happy with it and some people can so i'm interested sort of maybe maybe talk us through the different steps of 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 taking drugs mate i don't know
1: yeah um mean, i can't really remember back to the first time i did it um But, you know, I think it was just the people I was hanging around with were just sort of experimenting. Someone had some and, you know, you just take a little bit and then obviously it starts to take effect. And you think, oh, this this feels quite good. And exactly what you just said about dopamine, um, you know, it's the the reward. Yeah. But I think you start to feel a bit invincible. Right. But, um, you know, your confidence goes through the roof more than alcohol. So, you know, for example, if it's like cocaine, you you'd be talking to people and you're you're on fire, you know, you your the your brain is going and you can you, you can just talk about anything, you know. Um and you get into quite deep conversations with people and or maybe chatting to girls and things. Um and it's just a, a constant buzz, you know, it, it obviously it feels good and yeah uh, Yeah, and obviously maybe the weekend the weekend that follows, you know, someone's got it. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I had a really good time on that last week. Yeah, go on, I'll have a little bit. And then you have a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. And I think it's that, it's the it's the reward. It's the reward. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And what um, about
0: like the next day? How do you feel? Um
1: like shit. <laughs> Really? Wow. Yeah, you do um, obviously it, it, it's just like a hangover, you know. Um, but I think obviously when you're on maybe another type of drug, maybe if you're on like um, MDMA, it is it is a bit different. Um, it's yeah, it it's like a very uh, the hangover is is a very harsh hangover. Um, yeah, and, and it's the knock-on effect, isn't it? You you end up making a fry up breakfast, you just binge watch TV and you sit there eating cookies and rubbish and yeah, just doing anything to try and make yourself feel good.
0: <laughs> when do you actually start to feel better though?
1: Um, I think maybe like a couple of days, a day afterwards. Wow. So, yeah, cause you don't really, obviously, if. On alcohol, you don't really get a good night's sleep, do you? And when the drug's taken over, yeah, um, yeah you really don't sleep. Your dreams are crazy, or vivid, and oh, it's not good. Um, they're quite repetitive, and it's going to the beat of the music, and it's yeah, that's not good. Um, so the next day, a lot of it is sleep, and you're actually catching up on that sleep. Um, but I think, you know, when I look back, you know, anyone who's listening in, my career, it never affected my career, or maybe it did. You know, I was always, I'm always hard working when, you know, I go to the office and I was very hard working and things. So, but did it affect my career, like, you know, running late and things like that? No, it didn't. Um, and, you know, it wasn't every weekend. It might just be once a month or twice a month. We'd, right. we'd do that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's uh,
0: it's it's very interesting, though, isn't it? Like... I'm always interested because it's human behavior and it's, it's the the Mm. psyche around it as well, but something in that moment, like you said, there's some friends there and you do it and you feel maybe great for this short time, but then you're paying it back the next day, the whole day, the next night. I mean, you're, maybe you were supersonic mate because You you manage to hold down jobs, but people that get in that scenario, maybe they're not going to work on a on a Monday morning, and the whole knock-on effect is 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 carnage. So, super interesting, mate. Continue on the journey, though. You're you're you've moved out. You're 20. You're massive. You're taking anabolic steroids during the week. You're taking recreational drugs on the weekend. (laughs) You're like you're literally at the mercy of every dealer in Harrogate. Yeah. Continue Um, the journey for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think I was sort of like you know I was working hard and then fueling this lifestyle. But I think uh, I was sort of living a life which was going to work Monday to Friday, working hard, driving around in the at the time I you know nice company car, wearing the the suit and had the laptop, the mobile phone. I was driving all over the UK, and then. Heading back up north at the weekend, um, and just getting on it—that <laughs> was my life. And obviously in the evenings, I was just throwing weights around, and that's pretty much what my life was for a long, for a long time. Wow. Um, yeah, and then also, well, twenty when it came to sort of twenty eleven, um, was like twenty five years old. What I was, what I planned to do was, what am I? Um, friends out of the same circle of friends had he had been um, he'd gone travelling he'd gone to cambodia and uh, thailand and um then and my plan was to meet him in australia wow and i didn't mention this on the presentation the other night but he actually passed away when he was travelling uh so that that obviously hit us hard you know myself and my friends um and around that time in 2011, I was just, I, I've got to run away. I've got to, I've got to get away. Um, it, I was just stuck in this this cycle, really, of just working, lifting weights and, and going out the weekend. Um, and I'd always was curious about sort of going to live somewhere else. And during that time, you know, I, I'd travelled, you know, I'd, I'd been to Europe and i have been to Thailand before and things like that on holiday. But I wanted to experience living somewhere else, and I was always curious about sort of Australia. And the plan was to meet my friend there, uh, but unfortunately, he, he, he passed away. Um, and I decided, um, you know, when he, you know, obviously, we um, had his funeral and everything. And when that was all done, I I still went off. Um, so it was around November 2011. I flew out to Australia, and I backpacked. And had an amazing time. <laughs> yeah, just backpacked up that East Coast, met loads of people. Wow. Lots of interesting people. Um, yeah, those people sort of my age at the time, those people who had finished university. There was people in their 30s as well that were just having sort of like a little bit like a midlife crisis and they were just trying to get away. Cool. So, um, yeah, backpacked up and looked up, up the East Coast and then I flew from the East Coast to Perth, and I I sort of settled in Perth. Um, Got a job there, had a couple of different jobs in IT and and recruitment. And then, yeah, towards the end, I'd say 11, 12 months of being in Australia, and started to sort of, I would say, well, maybe started to lose it a little bit. Um, I was still partying a lot and things, but I started to experience quite a lot of anxiety. Um, and yeah I think I was a little bit homesick maybe as well but there was something else bubbling underneath Um, so I remember calling my parents and saying I'm um, I'm coming home Um, yeah so I got on a plane and flew back to England and saw my friends, saw my family and yeah I was immediately sort of welcomed back and yeah I embraced those those comforts of home and it's funny uh, I remember uh, one, of my, one of my mates that I'd met in Australia he, on a day that I, I think it was in the week before I left he said you're going to regret this he goes you'll fly back and you'll enjoy the first three months and you're going to wish you were back in Australia mark my word and he was right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, for the first three months, yeah to say I, I embraced the first you know embraced um the family and friends and but I was having a few sort of mental health issues um I was starting to overthink things a lot um, and i had i think I had changed a little bit in Australia because i wasn't really sort of take i didn't take any drugs in Australia I was still drinking a lot i didn't take wow. any drugs um why was that mate sorry to jump in why was that um i think it's i think the people i was hanging around with weren't really into that and also i was in a foreign country and i know they're very strict over there at the time they were very very strict on it and i just didn't want to risk anything um you know you i'm sure you've seen locked up abroad (laughs) i
0: didn't want to be one of those
1: people so i think yeah i just i didn't consume any of that't did take any of that I wasn't really associated with people who were who were doing that right um, so when I came back yeah um, I, I think I changed a little bit in that sense but to sort of I, I sort of felt that for me to fit back in my friends oh I need to do that again um, so yeah I, obviously I started to sort of do that again and then one day it something just completely broke me down. Um, And I had to sort of confess everything to my, to my parents. They, they, they knew something wasn't quite right. And basically what I had done was over the years, I was, um, I accumulated up to 25,000 pounds worth of of debt. I was, I was in quite a good job at the time, you know, it was a well-paid job, Um, but I was just spending money way beyond my means i was living way beyond my means and it really started to catch up with me obviously i was struggling at the time to sort of pay back the debt and things um so i think in my head i had obviously how are you supposed to keep up with with yourself and still and you know your friends are inviting you out but you can't go out um so yeah i think it started to affect me mentally well it did you know and I broke down in front of my parents and told them everything. Um, Yeah. So I had to. How was that, mate?
0: Hmm? How was that? Um... Confronting it, like, you know, because it's. I think it's sometimes like, I don't know, this is my perspective, and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Like, you know, I can tell you because you're a mate, you know, and I respect you and I love you, but when it's your parents, you know, when we know that they've done so much for us.
1: And yeah.
0: it's almost like we're back, that, that kid at school, isn't it? It's like, well... It was, a,
1: it was exactly that. Yeah. I remember just sat just, there uh, um, and we were sort of talking I was... Because I said something, you know, my dad was like, what's wrong, son? You know, what what's wrong? I was like, uh-huh. I'm, okay. And then I just said it, you know i'm in I'm in a lot of debt um, I've been living a life, and uh, yeah, I'm struggling um he wasn't a happy man to start with um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um, but I had to sort of explain it all and my my mum was actually really supportive. she was like, right, okay, we've got a problem let's let's have a look at it, so you know. We sort of got the bank statements out and everything and really looked at it all and okay what's what's going on here but I think there's a few other things as well I I didn't like the job that I was in um, because what happened was the job that I was doing before I went to Australia when I when I flew back from Australia back to the UK I went straight back into that same job so before I left Australia I rang my my, uh, managing director at the time I rang him and said look I'm coming back and my job was there, waiting for wow. me. Wow. The company car, the mobile phone, there's the salary. It was just there, there. And I landed back into the UK, and two days later, there's the company car, all back, just like that. Wow. I uh, know. So, and I think I'd, I'd realized sort of a few months into it that I was like, oh, I don't want to be doing this. This is, nah, you know, um, this, I'm sort of going back into that lifestyle again and now it's not good and obviously i had the debt and you know that's that's what happened so yeah um you know my debt was wiped so my parents wiped it i'm very very lucky but i i paid back every single penny um yeah it took me three and a half years to pay it all back wow yeah Cause I was actually struggling to because of the interest on the on the loan and the credit cards, I was struggling I was never going to pay it off,
0: <laughs> yeah
1: it yeah. been there for years um, so yeah, they obviously my parents saw that like, what happened and they were not happy at all. they were not happy, um, but I made sure i I paid it back all of it uh, so you did you, were you living at home at this stage as well yeah, so um I was, yeah, I was basically moved back into my parents um, for when I got back from Australia sort of for the first year, um, and then, yeah, then I I, I met someone, which is now my wife. Um, she sort of sort of came along and rescued me, <laughs> <laughs> and we believe it or not, we ended up living with her parents. So, and yeah. Her parents. It happens, yeah. It was around that time, it was you know, it was quite tough, and I was paying off my debt, but I was also saving money as well. So, we were saving to buy our you know, our first house. Um, yeah, so we we lived with her parents for for two years, yeah. We saved up. Um, hey, at at this stage,
0: let's talk a little bit about your addictions, shall we? And I'm not trying to make it look bad on you, but. You know, we've been, and and, and I think, I just think they're great learnings for people, mate. And I'm, I know the next stage is just this amazing transformation that I know you speak really strongly about. So, just to give it a little bit more background. So, you know, you're into bodybuilding, you start taking steroids there, harder drugs. Australia sort of releases you, but you come back to all this debt. What were your social habits now? Were you still, were you using drugs? Were you using alcohol? Where were you at with things?
1: Well when sort of so I've come back from Australia, I've been back for a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I was I was still going out. So, you know, if my friends invited me out, I would I would go out with them. Um I wasn't probably doing it as much, but yeah, I I'd maybe sort of once a month I might have a little bit more drugs. Um yeah. But also interestingly, around that time I'd met a a group of guys down at the gym so I obviously I was still sort of going to the gym lifting weights and things and I met a group of guys there who were not part of my normal circle sort of friends right Um they were a lot younger and uh, they were about five years younger than me four or five years younger than me and they were they were good guys they were sensible you know they yeah they they went out but you know they didn't get completely intoxicated you know they They'd never done, never done drugs. Um, and they, yeah, they just sort of invited me out and things and invited them to the house and and stuff. And I hung around with them for a little bit and they were really good to me. They were very, very good for me. Um, but I remember I was still sort of hanging on to those old habits as well. So I'd spend time with them, but then I'd spend time with, you know, my other friends as well and, and go out drinking with them and things. Um, so yeah, and then it was, then I met, when, and obviously then I met Fran, so I met my, now my wife, so things started to, to change.
0: Why is that, mate? Why did they start to change?
1: Well, I think when I met, when I met Fran, it was actually at, at a festival. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to be really honest, I was, I was under the influence. I was under yeah. of alcohol and, and drugs, and the moment I met her, I stopped there I didn't take any more um, yeah
0: what made you do that
1: uh I don't know at the, at the time I thought that you know obviously if she sees me doing this it's that's not look very good is it in front of in front of someone and I think I at the time we we clicked like that when we met um and yeah wow. I remember I remember just throwing it away I threw the I threw the bag away wow yeah, that's at that point.
0: That's really yeah. incredible. Huh? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you could say your savior. She was your savior. She just walked into your life, literally at at the right time.
1: She did. Yeah, and you know, I sort of stepped down that presentation. She, she, yeah, she walked straight in. She didn't know it at the time, but she did. She did rescue me. Um, yeah. It and, was very. I'm,
0: but you so you decided on the spot that you'd stop taking drugs but you, yeah. were, you still, were you still drinking what was your relationship like with alcohol
1: um yeah we're still sort of uh, binge drinking um and yeah around that time and you know months afterwards you know as a couple we would also you know we'd go out and and things and see friends and, and drink and things um but also maybe if I was just going out with friends uh, without her, I would I would be binge drinking. I would definitely go out and I would get absolutely wasted. Yeah. Did did Fran drink? Uh, yeah, she did. Yeah, you know, no more than than her than her peers. You know, um, yeah, she drinks. Drinks. Yeah, she did drink a lot. Yeah.
0: There was a a, a pivotal point in, in in that talk that you gave, mate that I I distinctly remember about when you decided that you would end your relationship with alcohol. Do you wanna share that with us?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So obviously um, uh, my wife and I finally moved to uh, Dubai, that was in 2016. Um, I knew what I had learned from um, being in Australia, I knew that um, going to live somewhere else and experience a different culture um, is a you know it's a very good thing to do. Um, so we made a decision to to move over to to Dubai. We both got jobs here very very quickly. Um, but yeah, we, we well found a new habit, and that was that was brunch. <laughs> you know, what? I remember in here and I was like, brunch. What isn't that that thing between lunch yeah. uh, and lunch? And you just have like. cake or something I don't know um I was like oh no it's not it's it's 12 hours of drinking oh right (laughs) that's what brunch is wow um and obviously when you get to a new city and you don't really you don't know anyone do you and you've got to go out and meet people and meet friends and things and we were um staying in uh the accommodation which um this sort of That we were in, it was mostly teachers. So um, our friends were um, sort of teachers and their partners. So my friends became sort of friends, friends, husbands. They became my friends here, and they're still my friends here now. Um, But yeah, we'd you know obviously you're in a new place, you're in a new city, and you're exploring things. Everything's new. Um, Yeah, so we were out a lot drinking at the weekends. Uh, Maybe on a Thursday night, we'd finish. We wouldn't really drink. We wouldn't drink during the week. Um, it was just on a Thursday night, finish work, you know, we'll go out and we'll drink, and then brunch. Probably do brunch the next day. Um, and that was pretty much for the first twelve to eighteen months of, of being in Dubai. That's that's what we were doing. Um, yeah, and I remember I remember sort of saying to to Fran once. I was like, "We're not." do you feel like we're not doing anything? We, you know, we're both working really hard at our jobs. We're going hundred percent at our jobs. We come home and then we go to the gym. I don't really have any goal in the gym. I'm just sort of potting around, throwing weights around. I'm still splitting my sessions like, you know, like a bodybuilder. I don't really have any goal in that sense. I'm just going in there and just lifting weights, doing my chest and my biceps. you know. <laughs> and then, and then the weekend comes, and we just go out and get drunk like i'm not learning anything new i'm not like i just feel like i'm getting a bit not dumber but i don't know i just feel like i'm not learning anything new
0: yeah
1: and yeah i started to sort of actually i watched um I watched a documentary on uh, about nutrition i started to sort of get a little bit curious about the food i was eating um and that's where it all sort of started um Got a bit curious about the food I was eating, and um, yeah, I started to. I, I did a bit of I read, read about a few things. I started to follow some people, and um, they were meditating. And I thought, oh, what's this meditation all about? Oh, I'll, I'll just give it a go. Yeah, you know. So I just sort of sat down, and um, I signed up to. Well, I give the. I give it a try. The calm app. Um, put the headphones in, and I just sat there, and I just listened to what she was saying, and focus on your breath. I thought, oh, that was that was quite good. And I did it again the next day, and then again the next day, and the next day. And I sort of built this habit of meditating every day. And, yeah, things started to change. bit of a ripple effect. So, you know, we were still sort of going out at the weekends drinking, and I was like, because I think I started to get, Bit more mindful of what I was doing. I was like, I don't know if I. What, what is this stuff? You know, it's weird. You go through school, and no one tells you what alcohol is. No one teaches yeah. you. You just, it's just in society, especially in the UK. You just sort of you just grow up with it. Like, you know, yeah.
0: that,
1: as alcohol, you know, <laughs> drink this. Um, and I started to. What is this stuff? And I started to research it. I started to read into it. Um. And this was sort of the, around the same time. I'm quite interested about nutrition. It's like, oh, so I started to sort of learn what happens when you drink it, right the way through when it goes through you. What happens? How it affects your brain? How it affects right down to cellular level? I was starting to get quite interested in that. And yeah, it was. It was actually. It was one time I was um, um, really hungover, and we were hanging out in a, just in a hotel, we got like a day, um, a cool pass, you know, just for the day and we were staying um, went to the hotel for a day. And I remember just sort of lying there and I was like, Oh my days, this is, I, I'm hungover, but, and I've been here a thousand times before. Am I just getting older? I don't know, but I was worrying about going to work the next day. I was really worried about it. And there was a lot of anxiety and uh, I was worried about maybe I'm not going to hit sort of the these sales targets that I was working on. I'm like, oh, oh. And then I remember, I remember watching um, that film, Limitless. You've probably seen the film Limitless when he takes that pill. And um, I was like, oh, I wish I could just have something like that, something to really clear my mind and my, my head. I need something to all oh, this, oh, this mess that's going on in my head. I need some clarity. And I actually went online and um, I looked up I can't remember, it was some, uh, just a, um, a pharmacy in, in, you know, in the Middle East, in, in Dubai, and they were selling these sort of energy, the herbal pills, you know, it was energy herbal pills, and I thought, I'll buy that. <laughs> yeah, and I bought them and started to take them. Um, when I think back now, I'm like, what was I doing? Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I went, it was April 2018, and I, I actually, it was a month before my stag do, bachelor party and i had a a little issue with my stomach um i actually had uh, gastronitis you know and i was taking some and the doctors put me on antibiotics so i'd actually at that point i wasn't drinking any alcohol and i actually did 30 days with no alcohol and i'd never done that from the moment i first tried alcohol i'd never done that i'd never done a dry january or sober october Yeah, and in those 30 days, although I was on antibiotics and I'm still sort of curious about the food I'm eating and what I'm doing, um, I started to feel quite good. Ooh, clarity. Oh, here's, here's some clarity. Oh, I've got a little bit more energetic. Maybe it's the food I'm eating. Maybe I have got curious about my sleep as well. Am I getting, we're supposed to have eight hours sleep a night? I didn't know that. I'm getting like six. Wow, okay, Let's, let's learn a bit more about that. let sleep. And then stag do's come in. <laughs> <laughs> the guys here had, had organized um, stag do up at uh, Rixos in Raz Al Oh two <laughs> Two days. Um, I was like, I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink. I don't want it. I don't think I want any alcohol. I was like, I wonder what the guys will say if I said that I'm not going to drink. was like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> How can it, You can't have a, a sober stag on a stag do. So I, you know, we did the stag do, two days drinking, everything, you know, the usual stuff. Um, and I was checking out at the hotel the next day, and and then and my bride called me, and she just said, "How are you doing?" And I said, ah, "I'm not in a good way. Um, I'm hungover, and I know I've said this a thousand times. I'm not doing this again. But this time, I mean it." I'm done putting this stuff in my body wow oh i'm done with it that's it i'm done and yeah, that was it,
0: really so from that day 2018, you haven't touched any alcohol
1: well i have i haven't been uh, I have had some, but I've not been under the influence so what happened was uh, I did three months after the stag. I did three months completely sober and then I uh, went back to the UK and we, we had our wedding back in the UK and the night before the wedding um, I met up with my, uh, with the guys, my, my best man um, and we had a beer and I was like, Oof, I don't know if I want this, um, but I decided to to get one and it was a proper Yorkshire ale, you know, <laughs> so I've not had one of these in a while and we we'll put it this way. It took me an hour and a half to drink one pint. Wow. And I, I drank that much and I was drunk. Wow. Yeah. I was drunk. And I remember like, I was like, I was there and I'm with my, you know, my best man and uh, the guys. And I was like, I, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like what it's doing to me. I, I, feel, I feel obviously I'm I feel a bit drunk and, I can't do it. And I said to the guys, sorry, guys, but yeah, it's going to take me a while to get through this, this drink. And they were like, Oh, fine. It worries mate. You know, whatever. Um, and actually what happened on our wedding day, what I had done was I, uh, at, the, at the venue where we were getting married, I told the, um, the organizer that when, when we arrive after we're married and we arrive at the reception and you hand over the champagne, I don't want champagne and he said don't worry i'll 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 do like elderflower and um fizzy water i'll make it look like champagne i was like thanks man so in our pictures in our wedding photographs you think it's champagne there but it's not wow wow it's not yeah so you didn't
0: um, i mean that you didn't really have a drink at your wedding or anything
1: well what happened at the wedding um they had a few non-alcoholic beers. So also. You know, when I set it up with with the barman, so that when I went to the bar, he obviously he knew who I was. You know, there's the groom. So he, as he he got my drink, which was non-alcoholic beer. Wow. People wanted, to, you know, my friends, my family wanted to buy me a beer. Um And when they did that, what I found was because I'm sure, obviously, you're married. Like you're so busy on your wedding day that you know, you, 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 someone gets you a drink and then you put it down because someone wants a photograph and you've got to go cut the cake and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and people bought me drinks that I I, I was about to go get a sip I didn't even sip it I just put it down and then I was like, oh and then I'm off cutting the cake or <laughs> I'm off taking a photograph so I was completely sober on my wedding day completely sober
0: Good for you, right
1: and, and, and I, remember, and... I remember every moment of it and some people that I speak to some of, the, some of my friends, they were intoxicated and they can't remember anything. And I remember every moment. So,
0: so mate, fast forward now, a couple of years later, and obviously, you know, you're, you're into OCR, you like running and this and that and the other, which is amazing, mate. But I think some of the biggest learnings from this, and I think maybe what might resonate with people, if, if, if you're happy, if we continue a little bit down the alcohol route, How's your yeah. relationship with it? Because I know, mate, lots of people are are fighting it. You know. Yep. But luckily, we're like forty-five minutes in, and it's the first time we've had to mention coronavirus. But since the lockdown, I've heard more people drinking. So, we really, want to sort of in this last bit, just try and help people with it, mate. So, let's. What's your relationship with alcohol now? I think
1: when you when you stop. Um, it does feel a little bit weird to start with, you know, because my identity was it was part of my identity, a part of who yeah. I, was. So I was. I was going out and my mates were saying, Do you want to drink? I was like, No, I don't. Um, you know, and you start to feel a little bit weird. But yeah. over time we start to build up, you know, when you're talking to people, it's it's more genuine, it's more you, it's more authentic. So you start to build up more confidence. Um and what happened is your perception, your th- your vision starts to open up beyond alcohol. You know, it's, it's really weird because the manufacturers, you know, the brewers or whatever tell you that with, through their powerful marketing campaigns that for you to have fun, you've got to have a drink, mm. you know, I find it really strange that football and alcohol and beer is linked together. So Very shit. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Carling and football, you see the adverts in the UK, it's really weird. None of the football players are drinking it. Yeah. But all the, <laughs> but
0: the fans are. are.
1: are all intoxicated watching it. It's really, really weird. So, my relationship with it now is, is non-existent. I don't, I don't, I just look, when I look at a bottle, it's like looking at a bottle, we're well, not like looking at a bottle of water, but it's just like, I, I just go, oh, oh okay. Yeah. I do don't think, want
0: it. Do you think that's because you had a extreme relationship with it? and it caused you so many different, uh, what would you say, mate? It caused, it, it, I, think, it caused I think what things. it is, like,
1: I saw so many benefits when I removed it from my life. I, I mean, to start with, when I look at it, I go, Oh, I don't want that, because I'm going to fall back yeah. to that way of thinking how I was before, and I, I like this journey that I'm on. Wow. Yeah. I'm sober, and I'm it's like I'm learning all these things and new things and I want to stay on this path, you know, yeah. this is a good path, this is a healthy path. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think when, it, obviously alcohol has presented itself over the last two years and it, you know, and every time it presents itself, there's two words that go through my head. Think tomorrow. What do I want to get out of tomorrow? Yeah. And that, a big difference to how I was living before because you know my wife and I now we we live we all, we know what we're doing tomorrow <laughs> I think before we used to sort of get up and go what do you want to do today this is on the weekend for example what do you want to do today oh you can go do this whereas in we know what I'm doing everything is it's locked in the diary I know, I know what I'm doing the next day and you know at the weekends if alcohol presents itself I'm like think tomorrow well tomorrow I'm going for a run I'm getting up at 5am I'm going to Shoka I'm going to the mountains that if I drink that I ain't going I'm not getting up it's gonna I, this is the how what I was learning as well that if I it was affecting my decisions this is what I'd realized for years yeah years, all those years all those years I was uh, procrastinating it was the alcohol. Mm. That was, it was affecting my decisions the next day and what I wanted to get do you, think out of. That's, do you think that's because of the relationship
0: that you had with alcohol, mate? Do you think if you'd have been in a different position when you were using alcohol in former years and you'd have actually done the things that you do now and said, yeah, I'm going to go and run at Shoka at 6 a.m. tomorrow, therefore mm. I know to, to make that happen, I need to be in bed by 9. And yep. I don't need to be drunk. So if I want to go and have a beer with a mate, I need to go at six. I need to be done by seven or, or is that, is
1: that piece too gray and too? I think, I think it's, it's multiple things. It's like what you said. People have everyone's relationship with alcohol is different. Just like with, everyone has a unique relationship with food. And it's a similar thing to those people who drink, whether they're an occasional drinker, a social drinker, a binge drinker, or maybe they just have one drink a month, it, it is unique. But one of the things that I'd figured out was, because people still ask me, why don't you just have one a month? I didn't like, I, because I had been practicing mindfulness, I'd realized what, when I was out, I would realized I didn't like who I was when I was under its influence. I didn't like my thought process. Yeah. I want to say that it caused me to judge other people. So if I was drinking, I would look across the bar or there's someone's talking to me and I'll be judging them. Yeah. Who am I to judge you? And yeah. that, I was judging myself. Oh, I can't do that. Well, oh, I've got quite a good idea. Maybe oh, no, I can't do that. I was just you know judging myself and things like that. Um, so I think that was, that's my relationship with it and I realized as I removed that and along with mindfulness I, I, I started to stop sort of judging people and I started to learn that actually you know when we judge people and judge other or, or you feel when you feel judged mm. you're basically um you know you're, you're you're wasting time really it's wasted energy and you could be learning from that other person Yeah, and his- quick example like i remember you know when, when we got to dubai and for the first sort of 18 months we were here and we were out drinking all the time um there was someone that we know uh, or we know of um it was one of my, my wife's sort of colleagues at work and when i was intoxicated i would ignore him well, not, i wouldn't ignore him i'd just say hello but i didn't really bother to sort of get to know him i don't know i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why yeah. maybe he said and I didn't quite like it and I was just like, I just see him when I'm out and I would say hi mate how are you and then I just go off Yeah. I drinking and we. I saw him I spent time with him I started having a conversation with him and I started asking those questions started to build some rapport and it turned out actually he's quite an interesting guy <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I learned a few things from him I was like jeez yeah and I think that's what it was doing to me. It was changing my, I didn't like who I was. I was judging other people and that's, yeah, it's now more clarity and along with the mindfulness, if I feel sort of the the judging coming into my head, I can (laughs) capture it and go, well, yeah, and just positive, positive, you know.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, mate, because I like how you also brought food in there because I agree with exactly what you said. I think for some people, the relationship they have with certain, what we're talking about here really is, is vices. And it sort of links back to what we said at the start where you were like, yeah, I need more of that drug. And it's the same for people. Like I always say this to people. I'm like chocolate. If you have 40 grams of chocolate a week, is it going to kill you? Is it going to be the difference between the six pack or not the six pack? No, not really. Is it great for you? No, but if that's the one thing, if you have 40 grams of chocolate once a week and that's all you have and you can control it to that and that gives you satisfaction, makes you feel amazing, then I'm all ready for you to have that. But if you can't have that decent relationship with it and if you go on to then have more chocolate, and then when you've had the chocolate, have something else, and it's this whole knock-on effect, which is quite similar to what we we're talking about earlier with drugs. It, yeah. Then we have to almost—it's almost like a bad marriage that we have to separate, right? Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Uh, which, which makes it yeah, which just it just makes it super interesting, mate. Because I think I think a lot of people are thinking that they should separate their relationship from certain things but not knowing why, but you've understood your relationship in this case with alcohol and realized that actually your personality doesn't mix with it. So we need to separate it. And you've found the tools that help you to do that. And now you're just enjoying the benefits of not having this. It's like having something, it's like having a shit friend or being in a bad marriage. You've sort of split it apart. And now you're, you just feel so happy.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, it's, that's the thing that along with other things, not just alcohol, I started to remove the things that weren't good for me. Yeah. Get, rid of that, get rid of it. And that, unfortunately, that did apply to people, you know. Yeah, started,
0: it apply to people, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's for real.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, you know, obviously surrounding myself with, you know, joined in a fight and the running communities, surround myself with athletes, with people who want to win. And it's, completely different world and it turns out there is a world where people don't drink yeah (laughs) uh, the friends that i've met you know especially within sort of in the running communities and things like it turns out they don't drink they might have one every three or four months
0: yeah
1: i thought it's really weird i thought when everyone went out everyone was drinking but they're not
0: yeah (laughs) so it's just that's one thing as well isn't it like to be comfortable like i drink alcohol but I'm also comfortable to go to a bar and meet people and have a drink have a have a sparkling water whilst they have a beer but as soon yeah. as as soon as they've had enough beers that I know that I, and it's I'm very similar to you in this mate if I know that I'm not going to have a productive conversation with them either be able to learn something from them or them to be able to learn something from me or just have a good time then I'll leave that situation and that's obviously for most people, once they've had three or four beers, then it's kind of like, it's pointless having the conversation basically, isn't it? You know, but I'm still comfortable to go and have a sparkling water uh, or or or, 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 or and just hang out in that environment, which I think a lot of people create this relationship or create this thought process in their own mind that, yeah, everyone, if you're in a bar, you should be drunk, whereas that's not really the case.
1: Yeah. And some people, obviously there's, you know, there's different types of drinkers. There's, you know, like I said before, everyone, you know, obviously got their unique relationship. But some people, like the social drinkers, they, they don't know it the other way. Um, and they can't imagine their life, you know, drink, going out in a social situation and, and not drinking. Um, and like I said, at, at the start, it is a little bit weird. But yeah. you start to build this confidence. And that confidence is, is genuine, it's authentic. It's you. (laughs) It's not the alcohol. Yeah. You know, but we know what it does, you know. So, mate, I've got, I'm
0: pretty conscious of the time, mate, and I really appreciate it because you did an hour talking about this last Sunday, and now I've grilled you for another hour, but I just think it's going to, and the way that you put it over is just so, it's just so straightforward, mate, and simple, and, and, and it's very inspiring for me to listen to, mate. It gives me a lot of hope for a lot of people and but, yeah. like, there's two things that i've got left or two direct questions that i want to answer one i don't really like asking but people that have suffered from or gone through what you've gone through i do often ask it and that's would you have done things differently
1: what if what earlier
0: if you knew what you know now would you have done things differently would you have taken the drugs would you have taken the steroids would you have drunk till you stopped? Or would you do things differently?
1: That's a good question. A very good question. It's funny, it's funny because when I was sort of 13, 14 years old, I was into athletics. Then I, I actually signed up to an athletic club and I was running 200 meters and high jump and things. And I did actually wonder Obviously now I didn't run then for 15 years and now you know now I love running and things. Like what, what if yeah. I hadn't gone down that path? But as you do start to think about it, but I'm a person, no regrets. What's done is done. And you know, those things, would I have done it differently if I'd known? Oh, that's a good question, <laughs> you've got me there mate. Uh-huh. Uh, if they've shaped who I am today, that's the thing you know yeah. I'm a lot more mentally strong now I've got a lot more mental resilience um and I think they've shaped me who I am I don't regret that I don't regret doing it you yeah. know yeah um, I, but in answer to your question, if I'd known, no, I probably wouldn't have done it
0: yeah i think yeah. I think you've put it in a really good way though there it's like it's shaped you, and it's life. You can't you can't cry over the spilt milk, as they say. But I think the 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 mature thing is is like, yeah. Well, no, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have done it because I'm able to sit here now and look at it was a little bit silly, but I can't sit. Yeah. I've learned so much from it. I've had to get myself out of a hole, and yeah. I guess if you go into another hole of a different type, if that's yeah. a good way to put it, you know, you can get yourself out. So. I think that's a really good answer, mate. I think you've done well there. It's a shit question, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> mate. My final question, and, and and this one hopefully is easier to answer, and it leaves everything on a on a good note, mate. Obviously, through all of this, you've learned a shit ton. Like Absolutely. you could probably write a book, mate. But I'm not. I, we don't have the time for a book, so you have to give us imparting your best one single piece of advice from all that you've been through, life, marriage, jobs, drugs, bodybuilding, alcohol, what's the one best piece of advice that you give to people? Oh, that's a good one. Wish I'd prepared for this one. <laughs> <laughs> the best is when I don't let people, this is why I don't send people show notes for the most part, mate, and we free we free ride everything. People are like, oh, is there no structure? No, we just talk, and then I hit them with this at the end.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think with everything, in alcohol, mindfulness, previous life, uh, everything I'm doing, the goals I've set, everything. When you're making a decision, if it's something, uh, well, okay, let's relate it to alcohol. And I'm going to bring it, we've we've kind of already discussed it. Let's relate it to alcohol, but think tomorrow. What do you want to do tomorrow? And how do you want to learn what do you want to learn? How do you want to grow? And how do you want to chill? What, what, what do you want to do? And I think a lot of people don't really have that. They're not really, you know, they don't really sort of think like that. Um, so yeah, my biggest, that's that's what I'll say. So the next time alcohol presents itself, think, think tomorrow. What do you want to get tomorrow? And is that, going to hinder your goal that's if you have something planned for the next day whatever it is, whether you're spending time with family or you're going to go for a run or you're going to go smash your 5k PB or whatever think tomorrow
0: mate, amazing absolutely brilliant I like that a lot I I like that when you said I've
1: always always got something planned the next day and that is only going to crush it so yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah Mate, I like, I actually, I love that when you said that, you said that last week, I remember, and you've said it a couple of times today. So that's it. There we have it, mate. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You speak, we could sit here, but we could do a Joe Rogan on this, mate. We could go for three oh, hours. Four hours. <laughs> um, I'm conscious of your time, mate. And I appreciate, I appreciate what you've done. I appreciate you sharing your story again with us, mate. It's, um, I know it's not overly easy and some of those things are deep, but I'm sure, mate, you've, you've made me think about a lot of things and I'm sure you'll make a lot of people think about a lot of things, mate. So absolutely brilliant.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you.